Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in the third and final week of our sermon series called The Truth About Happiness. And remember, what we're doing in this short, although I would say life-transforming series, is not only uncovering some of the misconceptions we all have when it comes to chasing after this thing called happiness, but also getting into what it is the gospel actually has to say about happiness and how to attain more of it. So in week one, and to set the foundation for the series, we got into how, whether we're aware of it or not, for most of us, happiness is the goal of life. Or happiness is the very thing that we're chasing after with everything that we are, which in turn shapes and molds almost everything about who we are and what we do. But then after uncovering that little uncomfortable fact, which is hard to deny, we then got into how, according to the New Testament, Happiness is not supposed to be the goal. Happiness is not supposed to be the point or what it is that we're chasing after with everything that we are. Instead, as we uncovered last week, what Jesus has to teach us about the goal of life or what it is that we should be chasing with everything that we are is not happiness, right? That's what we're taught and we'll continue to be taught that. But instead, as Matthew 6.33 reveals, and it's so simple, yet so foundational, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's right for Jesus. The purpose, the goal to which we have been called is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then where happiness fits into all of that is that when we do that, when we give ourselves to seeking first God's kingdom, all these things will be given to us as well. Or what Jesus is getting at when it comes to the truth about happiness is if you want more joy and happiness in your life, then happiness can't be your goal. It just can't be your goal because the way happiness actually works is that happiness is a side effect of seeking first the kingdom of God or seeking something bigger than just your own happiness. Which, of course, is a reality that when you get it, It has the ability to transform you in foundational ways. And when I'm talking about get it here, I'm not just talking about here. It's an easy concept to get. You've got to get it here. There's got to be a change in your heart. There's got to be a change in your foundation that you're chasing something other than happiness. Okay. So now that you're starting to understand that happiness is actually a side effect of seeking first the kingdom of God, but... But before you jump to the conclusion that I am trying to teach any form of the prosperity gospel here, in that if you'll just seek the kingdom of God, then God will give you everything you've ever wanted with the perfect life, and you'll be happy all the time. Right? That's the prosperity gospel. Let me make it really clear that according to the New Testament, seeking first the kingdom of God is oftentimes hard and might just cost you everything. 
In fact, when you do an in-depth study of all those people in the New Testament who devote their lives to seeking first the kingdom of God, what you will not find are a bunch of guys and gals sitting around on a beach somewhere with a drink in their hand without a care in the world. No, instead what you'll find is these people traveling all over the Roman world, risking everything to tell everyone they know about Jesus. And what oftentimes happens to these kingdom seekers as they're out proclaiming this gospel is they're not welcomed in by a whole bunch of people with open arms and everybody gathers together to sing Kumbaya. No, it's not how it works. But instead they find that people fight against them because the good news they were proclaiming was seen as a threat. So much so that many who devoted their life to doing this work ended up suffering numerous beatings, being thrown in jail, and even death. Which happened because of their devotion to the kingdom of God. Notice, this is not a punishment. It happened because of the kingdom of God. Or this is how Paul describes what he suffered because of the gospel. He says this in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 27. Five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, which, by the way, is the same beating that Jesus got once before he was crucified. Three times I was beaten with rods. Think of caning in the modern context. And this is the most amazing part. Once I received a stoning. Do you know what a stoning is? A stoning is not something that they do to take you out of town and just say, hey, we're going to throw a couple rocks at you and everything's going to be okay. No, a stoning is what people do when they're so mad that they drag you outside of town to kill you. So he was sentenced to death. And yet Paul survived. But then he just keeps going, which is amazing. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from bandits, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers and sisters, toil, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. Or that's what it can look like to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which, as you can see, has absolutely nothing to do with the prosperity gospel or believing that God is like a cosmic Santa Claus who will just give you everything you want because you've been a good little girl boy. But before you get up, Screaming because you want nothing to do with that kind of life. And who, if you guys know what Paul's been through, nobody, none of you really want that life. Um, first of all, I'm pretty sure that given we live in a country where Christianity is the dominant religion, that we're not going to be called to suffer and endure the same things the early Christians had to do. I don't think that's, I don't think that's in our cards. It might be, but that's not what I'm seeing right now. And then secondly, but I think most importantly, in reading the New Testament, I'm also pretty sure that, that even given that seeking first the kingdom of God is going to cost you something, it's going to be difficult, that you actually want what it is that Paul and the early Christians had. Because what you will also find as you read through the New Testament, especially in regards to Paul, he's the one who really brings this to life, is that Paul wasn't an unhappy person who dreaded his life. 
or who felt like his life wasn't worth living. No, instead, was a person that in spite of what he suffered and endured, that lived a life that was filled to overflowing with meaning, purpose, joy, laughter, and even happiness. Which is mind-blowing when you think about it. I mean, we're unhappy if we can't find the right thing on TV. No, none of you guys are like that. It's just me. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys. But I'm quite certain that what Paul and the early Christians had is exactly what I'm looking for. Because people who can endure and accept a life that is full of difficulty, or even embrace the struggle and the suffering while still finding joy and happiness is exactly what I need to get through this life. Because my experience of this life is it's not all rainbows and unicorns. It's hard. It's overwhelming. And I need to be able to find joy no matter what's going on in my life. How many of you would like something like that as well? Anybody? Three people, come on now. Yeah, I think we all long for something like this. Well, let me tell you what Paul's secret is to living this kind of life. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, which, by the way, are not words written while Paul is sitting on a beach with a margarine in his hand, but are words that Paul writes while he's sitting in a prison cell in chains because of the gospel. That's what blows me away with these words. He says, For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. So all these things that Paul is facing, he has learned the secret to being happy, and this is how he has that happiness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what I believe Paul is getting at here is that the secret to experiencing more happiness or in a sense making peace with whatever situation you find yourself in is not going to be found in the situation you find yourself in. It's not situational. It's not how much money you have. It's not how successful you are. No, the secret to living this kind of life is found in coming to trust and then experience that as Christians, we serve a God who not only walks with us, but that gives us what we need to get through anything. That's right. Paul's secret to experiencing happiness in any and all circumstances is about trusting and experiencing Jesus, giving him whatever he needs. To get through any situation. Or, or to really help you understand what this might look like lived out in front of us today. I don't think you have to go any further than our very own Nash. Who's sitting in the back, back there, right? Because what I believe you're going to find going on in Nash's life was not a boy who got up day after day to do therapy. Trying to learn how to walk again. Doing this stuff all on his own. No. Instead, what you're going to find is a boy who kept this verse in front of him every single day, learning and experiencing that when he hit his limit, Christ was by his side, giving him the strength he needed to keep going, no matter how hard or painful things got. Which, by the way, is not just something that happened to him a couple of different times. This was something that stayed with him 
every single moment of every single day. Or, or for me, when, when I take some time to think back through all that I have seen through Nash and that family's process, what I see is a boy who, with Christ's help, got up every single day and did the impossible. And I think he still does the impossible. But not on his own. He couldn't do it on his own. But the other amazing part of what has happened in Nash through all of this is that because he has experienced in the darkest moments of his life, Jesus giving him the strength that he need, he now has, in spite of his circumstances, some joy, some contentment, some happiness. Because he now knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that it doesn't matter what this life may throw at him. He's going to be just fine. Because Nash can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And then to take it even a step further, and this is the thing that really blew my mind. Nels and I had this great conversation this week. Nash has actually gotten to the point where if he could go back and change things, if he could go back and prevent this tragedy from happening, he probably wouldn't change a thing. And all because of what he has learned and experienced along with this purpose that God has given him to now go out and inspire others through his story. Come on now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I'm lifting up Nash back there and I'm really super proud of this kid and I love this kid more than life itself. But this is not just a power that's for him. This is not just for him. This is something we all have access to. We just have to learn to ask God for help. Because the truth is, as Christians, we were never meant to face life by ourselves. We were not created to do this stuff on our own, but we're meant to face life with the creator of the universe by our side, helping us every step of the way, giving us what we need when we need it. And what goes along with embracing that truth is that it sets us free from all of that fear worry that does nothing but ruin our lives and make us miserable, even in the good times in life, because that's all we're worried about, so that we too can experience peace, joy, contentment, and happiness, even in the darkest moments of our life, because we trust that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then if you want to take this to the next level, and this is bonus material here. This hit me in the shower on Wednesday and didn't make it into the text. The other place Christ shows up in our lives is not just this power that wells up within us and helps us to get through the difficulty. He shows up through other people. So if you go back to Nash's example, Christ wasn't just the strength that was getting him out of bed and doing what he did. No, Christ was standing there right by his side with his mom and dad. Christ was the therapist that helped him every single day get to the place. Christ is the therapist who's helping him now. Or what I want you to understand, which we have a really hard time getting, we're okay asking God for help. But sometimes the way God shows up in our lives to give us the help we need is another human being. 
right? Because we are. We are the hands and feet of Christ in this world. And it's our job not only to receive the help if we need it, but also to give that help. Which is just another part of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today and we've been wrestling with this whole idea of happiness uh, for the last three weeks, you know, kind of facing this idea that happiness is the goal and, and it's not the goal and that you're the goal. So now, Lord, help us to put it all into perspective. Help us to see that, that if we want more happiness, that, that happiness, is, it can't be the goal. That seeking first the kingdom has to be the goal. And then once we get that, help us to understand that just because we're seeking first the kingdom of God doesn't mean you're going to give us everything we've ever wanted. No, in fact, it might get difficult. But help us to know even in the midst of all of that, you will give us what we need. And in fact, you'll even help us to experience joy and purpose and meaning and happiness in those places where no one else can see it or find it. Because we know we're never alone. And we know we don't have to do it by ourselves. So Lord, help us truly become a people who don't just know this, but who live this every single day. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.